Hi, everyone. My name is Al D, and I am the host of the MBA Insider Podcast, a podcast for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help you grow your career. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MBA Insider Podcast. This is Al D, your podcast host, and I'm excited today because I have a guest of mine on the podcast who is going to talk about business school, particularly through the lens of everything going on in the world right now with COVID-19. My guest is Adam Miller, who is a second-year MBA student at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. And Adam's going to give some insights into what's going on currently as an MBA student, given the challenges that exist with the global pandemic and the impact that it has had on his MBA experience and just what he's doing to make the most of his time in business school right now. And I originally had planned to shoot this a little bit later in the year, but given everything going on, Adam was kind enough to talk about some of these things. And let's get right in to my conversation with Adam Miller you know, people who are applying to business school and give me a sense of what it's like to go to business school right now. And by the <laughs> way, we're, we're, we're shooting this right now in April of 2020. So um, both Adam and I are in shelter in place in our respective, uh, respective uh, um, towns or cities, as you will. Um, the mm -hmm. business school experience is different than what it typically is. Yeah. So give me a sense of what it's been like so far and how you're continuing to kind of use your time in business school, what you have left, knowing that it's, it's a little bit different than what you thought you were going to, your last quarter, or your last semester was going to be like. Yeah. A month ago, I was taking my exams for uh, Q3 of my final semester and I remember reading the news and starting to get a little bit worried but things have gone so quickly that I feel like I've sped through the, the grieving process for my final quarter. Uh, I was terrified they would say we're doing online classes and terrified for um, what this meant for the older members of my family. But I was definitely in denial and in shock when I first um, started reading the stories. So um, very quickly I went through to, okay, like now I'm angry. Now I'm really upset, you know, kind of the five stages of grief here. Sure. And within a week, once they canceled, um, you know, all my extracurriculars and classes are now via Zoom, I, I came to accept that this was going to be the new normal and I was going to have to figure out how to spend my mental energy. You and I are both extroverts. Um, and so that comes with, with some challenges there. But the biggest two things that I started thinking about were, what does this mean for recruiting purposes? And what does this mean for the health of all the people around me? Because this is not just affecting people who are 70 plus years old. And so my, my dad is a nurse. Um, he was a nurse in an emergency room for 20 years, um, but recently became a nurse in a, in a prison. And so uh, has not seen an outbreak happen there yet. They have broken out the N95 masks, but um, as if anywhere in the world right now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're uh, entirely safe. Um, 
And so that's been on my mind a lot, as well as just how can I continue to be as productive as I possibly can be to help people around me? I feel like having the show and, and sort of being a mentor to first years has put me in a position where I need to be positive. But honestly, a lot of the time I'm scared and I can easily get wrapped up in following the news more than is actually beneficial to me. So um, I'm still kind of getting my bearings on what does a typical week look like? The plan was to have it be what I described before, where it was lots of wineries in Charlottesville and wonderful restaurants, um, sleeping in before class because I have later classes than I've ever had before, um, taking some things that I'm super interested in finally. But um, it's not the same doing those things online. And it's not the same when the people around you are saying that their offers have been rescinded and that people that they know have gotten really sick now. So it's a trying time for sure. Yeah. And I think the, that is a brutally honest kind of assessment um, for better or for worse. And I appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, no, I can, I can only imagine what it was like. And honestly, one of the, as this was all unfolding and certainly I was also thinking about certainly my friends and my family and people in my community and making sure that they're okay and, and being worried and scared about that. But one of the first groups of populations that I thought about during a time like this was students, whether mm. that's graduate students like yourself, whether that's college students who are graduating or whether that's high schoolers and kind of the impacts that it's going to have on, on them, you know, certainly yeah. particularly for second years, this is a really joyous time in a lot of ways because of all the fun things you get to do, but also because getting an MBA is a phenomenal life accomplishment. And so um, not being able to celebrate it in the typical kind of way, I, I, I just feel, I feel for, I feel for students like that and, and their families for what they've been able to accomplish. And certainly could say the same thing for college students as well as for high school seniors. Right. Um, and, and so that was something that I, I definitely thought, you know, a lot about as well. And the other thing that you said that, kind of has stuck out to me as well as being an, uh, an MBA graduate and being involved in both my MBA um, alum as well as my undergrad alum in the community is just that striking that tone of, of being positive and wanting mm -hmm. to be kind of a good a good citizen and a good role model while also kind of being scared shitless in some kind of way shape or form right yeah and like knowing kind of like what the what the right balance is um you know, one of the things that I have been thinking about, I'm curious um, how you've been able to kind of um, work through this as well is like, okay, so there's obviously the moments when you're scared or afraid or worried for some kind of way, shape, way, in way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I've been kind of thinking about is just this idea and concept of resilience, right? Mm. And, and knowing that while things can be hard and things can be challenging, you know, we've had those hard and challenging things before and we're sitting here right now. So we survived. It wasn't easy. <laughs> was, was, it wasn't fun maybe, but you know, we're here. And so thinking about like being able to draw on some um, of past, you know, adversity and challenges to be able to kind of think about in this moment of feeling challenged or feeling worried or feeling like the world is crashing down. Like, how can I, kind of maybe channel that in a different way. And certainly none of us have experienced a global pandemic before. So like, <laughs> it's not the exact same scale, but like, um, you know, that is definitely something that I have tried to, you know, think about a little bit because, um, yeah. yeah, so. 
I've been super impressed with you. I've seen you doing a lot of things that have felt like they're helpful for the NBA community recently, whether it's starting up the podcast again, or, you know, writing the book or doing various hostings of talking about these issues with, with other MBA grads or current students. Um, I, I think I need to kind of do more of that stuff. I need to sit down and say, okay, how can my voice be helpful for people? Um, even if I'm not able, cause the thing that's so frustrating is like, I'm going to work for the red cross and I just asked them yesterday, can I start now? Can I start like in a month? Because then at least I'll feel like I'm helping in a real way. Um, they said, probably not. <laughs> uh, they're busy actually like putting out, uh, you know, the fires quote unquote. And it's so hard to say, to say, okay, like the way you can help is to do nothing. It's, it's very strange. So, um, that's something that I know I need to do more of is how do I spend more of my free time now doing things that are going to be productive to make it so that we can all get through this and be more resilient. Yeah. Um, so I think you're doing a really good job of that. Actually. Thank you. Thank you. No, I, um, <clears throat> I will honestly say part of it is a coping mechanism a little bit um, as someone who is a very much a half glass full kind of guy. Uh, it's mm -hmm. definitely been a little bit more challenging lately than uh, it, it kind of like typically is, but um, no, I, and I, I, I think it's been helpful for me, but also I know personally for me, like just knowing myself and being self-aware when I can move from a place of spinning in my head, thinking about things that I know that I can't control yeah. to just doing one thing, just doing one thing that even if it's small, that is within my control, that is enough at least temporarily to kind of like shift my thinking. And so, um, and then when, I you know, like, kind of thing. yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, like I actually have been, um, uh, and I, I actually recorded a podcast, uh, just about kind of like what it's like to go to business school in a, re a recession. And I talk a little bit about mm. this concept of resilience and, and what I ended up doing is I ended up reading, um, a little bit of option B by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant. Um, oh, yeah. so Cheryl uh, wrote, the I've heard book. them talk about this book. Yeah. So Cheryl wrote it, um, you know, uh, her, her husband, husband passed, away. passed away, which, you know, could be one of the worst things that could happen to someone, right? Like losing a yeah. loved one and things like that. And, you know, some of the, some of the things that they, um, they talked about, um, well, a couple of things. Number one is the idea of, um, permanence. Uh, mm. this does not live on forever. Right. And so knowing that this, the whole, I'm sure everyone's heard a lot lately that this too shall pass, right? Mm. Like it, 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 it will, um, we don't know when certainly, but like it will. And so just reminding yourself of that, um, mm this other notion of pervasiveness where this does impact our lives, but it doesn't impact our entire life, right? Like it's not pervasive throughout entire, you know, the entirety of it. There are other things in your life right now that are going pretty well or that, you know, like you have a full-time mm -hmm. job or like you're still able to kind of connect with your friends or something good in your family happens to someone like, mm -hmm. like, yes, like this, um, this does like impact us, but like it doesn't have to necessarily take over every single thing that we do. There are other yeah. things that we can focus on. And then the last thing is personalization. Um, I think when these things happen, it's like we tend to blame ourselves for for it, right? Like, but in the reality of it is, is that this hap this happens regardless whether with or without us. And so just mm -hmm. being able to manage that they call the three P's of resilience of personalization, <laughs> permanence, um, and pervasiveness, and just kind of like being able to kind of channel those in the right way, I think is what I've tried to think about in terms of 
how I can kind of like navigate through this. And for me, it's been a lot through as, as some of the things you said, just in terms of being more active and, and being a voice. Um, but it, it's challenging. I mean, I think the reality of it is, is that there's a reality of this, of, of that is really challenging and really, and really dark. Um, yeah. But there's also a reality of this is that um, in those dark times, there's always, there's always opportunities. And so I've tried my best to focus on the opportunities that exist. And, you know, I think the thing that's great about being in business school at a time like this is that even though you're at least six feet apart, if not wider, <laughs> you oh, yeah. are in a community uh, of people. Right. And, mm, yeah. and, and think about like, if this were to happen maybe 10 or 15 years ago, how would you have been able to use the tools and technologies then to be able to do some of the things you have been, you know, today. And so, um, yeah. you know, and I, I think, um, I think that's a really valuable thing that you have in within the MBA community. I mean, as it is many MBA programs, um, you go there because of the network in the community, as we talked about earlier in the podcast. And I think in a, in a time like this, this, this is one of the values and the strengths in having that because people can feel connected and come together and find ways to help each other, to help others in the community um, in a time like this, even if it is really difficult. So. Yeah. And one, one minor thing that struck me as you were um, saying all of that is I had a conversation a couple of days ago with a, with a prospective student and we were talking about whether or not it made sense for her to go get her MBA at all. Right. And something that struck me as I was talking to her was, how much I kind of apply a new framework to various parts of my life, right? You just applied this three P's framework to this pandemic. Sure. And that's not something I used to do or be around people who used to do. And so that kind of thing, although it feels like it's a minor soft skill, uh, but it's a big deal to be able to yeah. say, okay, how do I break down this problem and then do whatever it is that's most helpful? For whoever yeah. I care about it being helpful to, yeah, uh, is something that that is invaluable. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. It's it's the second version of the three P's. So not the non market <laughs> the non the non marketing uh, the non marketing three P's. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm curious, like as a as a follow up to that, um, when you were talking to her, because that is a question I've gotten from a couple of people who are currently applying. You know, what how did that conversation go, or or what what kind of guidance did you give to her as she thought about whether or not she should you know go to business school next year? <laughs> well, like any uh, good MBA student, I said it depends. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad so you, goals, I'm glad you learned in class. <laughs> <laughs> her goals are very unique. She wants to do social impact work. Right. So that's different than if she wanted to go get one of these jobs you, you can't get unless you go get an MBA. Right. If you want to work for McKinsey as a consultant or Goldman Sachs as an investment banker, there's not really another way to go do that unless you already are doing it. <clears throat> and so out of undergrad, I should say. And so I said, yeah, you, you've got to think about your path you're currently on is probably going to lead you to this goal. As far as I can tell, because you're currently doing social impact work. Um, I can tell you about the benefits. I think it's going to be kind of the stuff we talked about, which is, Yes, you're going you're gonna to get the quantitative skills. You're going to get exposed to them. But even if you're in one of the best academic environments for those, you're still not going to become an expert. And you'd still learn way more on the job than you could in two years. And so, you know, pick up some textbooks or some online classes if you want to learn those things, uh, if, if you have to. But you've got to think more about the intangible skills you're going to pick up in business school. 
the the people you're going to be surrounded by the the ways of thinking about tackling different issues is really what you're going to get in business school and as a current student it's hard to really know how much i'm going to apply those things as a as a, a future grad but i can already start to see myself changing the way i, I approach problems so I don't know how much that is worth. And right. it's obviously scarier to go into uh, this whole process when not every alum can say, it's gonna be great, everyone's gonna get a job, everyone's getting an internship. It looks to me like a lot of people are not gonna have summer internships as far as I can tell right now. So I don't know what that will be like a year from now or two years from now when that person potentially enters. Yeah. But there is no right or wrong answer. It, it depends on what you want. and what kind of risk you're willing to take. Right. So on that notion of business school right now, I'm just curious how, um, hmm. or what, what, um, what have things been like at Darden? Just, you know, I, I'm assuming at this point, or I know at this point you moved obviously to online classes, but um, you know, how are students kind of managing through it? You know, what are some of the things that have spun up as a result of it? What has this, experience been like because it is a little bit new and different yeah uh for the most part it's been similar you know it's, it's sort of analogous to what things were like before we're still doing virtual happy hours we're still doing uh virtual making cereal or <laughs> dinners together um we obviously still have classes it's more distracting because at darden you're not allowed to have your phone or your laptop in class but now there's no stopping that. Obviously, you have to have your camera on. But even then, you know, you could be checking e emails or um, texts. So it's harder to, to, for me to pay attention. And I'm sure it's hard for other people to pay attention. Uh, and you realize how much of that experience was more about, uh, you know, talking to people right after class or yeah. talking to people right before and, and sharing what, what you thought was going to happen during the discussion than it was even about you know, absorbing the exact material. So it's not as good, but because we already knew each other so well for 18 months, I think we understand people's personalities. Um, we're able to be really respectful still when someone's talking, but it's, you know, it's, it's 80% of what it used to be from a classroom experience. From a social one, it's hard to know because unless you schedule one of these formal zoom meetings, you don't really know what people are going through entirely. If you're closer to people, maybe you can just say, Hey, do you want to chat right now and just jump on the phone? But there's very few people I'm at that level with. So I, uh, you know, similar to how I use the network, I'm like trying to go through my list of uh, folks that I'm, I'm close, close ish with and check in on them, but you're always going to get more of a sugar coated answer uh, for 30 minutes in a zoom call than you are of like really knowing how the person's doing in a, in a quick uh, check-in in the hallway. So I hope people are doing okay. Um, I'm more worried about honestly right now people's job prospects than anything else. Yeah. Because if you're an international student and you're worried about uh, getting a visa, if you're someone that has tons of student loan debt, um, if you're someone that you know, just needs this money to continue paying your rent. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, I can't really afford, even though I feel like somehow I've gone from one of the people who's got the least high paying job in my class to now one of the most financially um, 
secure, at least in thinking that the Red Cross will still be around in, in three months. Uh, I still can't afford to have it postponed indefinitely. Sure. A lot of these start dates are getting pushed back. And so to your point about being worried about students, I think about it uh, kind of in like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, even yeah. though there's a lot of science saying that's not really the right way to think about real needs people have. Yep. The baseline though still makes sense, right? Like we got to have food and shelter. Yep. And so that for me is, has been what's been t- troubling for me is to know where people are at with that, because I don't know whose offers are getting delayed or rescinded. And even if I know, what can I really do to help? The tools that I had in my toolbox before around how to jump on the phone with people and randomly LinkedIn message folks, um, those don't really apply if no one's hiring. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's challenging to say the yeah. least. Uh, and there's no other, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it happened at the end actually, rather than the beginning, because right. as much as the core was challenging, at least I learned a ton. At least I felt like I was kind of going through a boot camp with people. And now I know them for when I'm in these calls and I'd only have one more month left and then I can kind of move on with the rest of my life. Um, if I was, you know, halfway through undergrad, I think it would be really tough if I had my internship uh, rescinded and, you know, didn't necessarily have a place to go move back to. Right. Um, So it it really depends. Like there's so many different situations people can be in. And I only know that relative to other people, I feel decent about where I'm at. Yeah. No, I think that's a good way to put it. And as you think about the rest of your time in business school, what are, what's kind of your approach for, how you're really going to make the most of it or what are the things you're going to try to focus on to kind of get the most out of the experience of what you have left? So the biggest thing is those check-ins with people. Um, I kind of always go through and think about who have I not talked to recently. And um, a couple of days ago I was making a list of like 50 people, both first years and second years where I'm like, okay, I'm going to send them a note and say, Hey, we should do a zoom call. You know, me and you 45 minutes, talk about whatever we want to talk about. Obviously we'll talk about the, the pandemic, but I also want to hear about their yeah. strategies for how this stuff's working. The benefit of being the interviewer in the podcast is I always assume I don't have the right answers. So it's tougher, to me, it's tougher for me to answer questions than it is to ask them. So really that will be as much about me seeing if I can help those people as it will be about um, seeing what strategies they have and, and just having another connection because I hang out with my girlfriend, <laughs> you know, 18 hours a day now, <laughs> and she's awesome. Uh, we've, we've never had a stronger point in our relationship, but I'm craving to know how other people are doing. And when we go for runs and run past people that I'm friends with, I, I don't feel comfortable stopping and talking to them more than just, hey, how's it going? Because I don't want to get too close or have anything like that happen. So I'm, I'm going to be spending the last month here just talking to as many of my classmates as I possibly can. I think that's the right approach. And I think that, so some background on me, I'm definitely the friend who always tries to be the one to reach out to my other friends. Yeah. And um, (laughs) one of the things that I've noticed recently is that for a lot of people who I'm pretty much always the one who's got to reach out if I want to hear anything at all, I've definitely had a few friends kind of (laughs) take the initiative and, and so it's been nice, but what that also tells me is that I think there is definitely, 
even for people who maybe are shy or, or more introverted, I think there's definitely a need for connection of some kind, whether mm -hmm. that's a phone call, a text message, a Zoom or a hangout or something. And I think what that yep. speaks to though is that, um, not to be a psychologist here, but there is a fundamental kind of, again, thinking back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like there is a fundamental kind of, um, we are, you know, we, we are relationship-based creatures, right? And so I think that what your approach to just checking on people and to um, you communicating with them with when, when you can, I think is, I think is a great approach. I've, um, I've often found too that um, even if it's just to say, how are you doing or just what's going on? Is your family okay? I, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything grandiose, but it can be, but I think even that in and of itself is, is, is just, is just great. Um, yeah. because it is, uh, to, and particularly I think in a business school environment where you do go from, you, you've all had to go from this, this, this experience of pretty much seeing a lot of people every day for a decent chunk of the day mm -hmm. to not seeing anyone really like at all, like having to flip the switch, I can only imagine must be pretty, it must've been pretty tough or is pretty challenging for, for a lot of folks because that's, that's a quick, that's a quick shift. Um, yeah really is that's yeah, it's weird everything feels surreal these days yeah yeah um so on that note go to business school kids <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding. no it'll I'm work just, out great <laughs> yeah yeah right exactly everything's gonna be great no well so for for uh over over the weekend last weekend one of the things that i did was i went and researched what it was like to go to business school during the great recession so mm. like 2007 2009 yeah and so it was interesting a couple things come to mind. Number one, uh, GMAC, they do a survey like every year mm. um, for both students or alum as well as like um, uh, corporations and, and organizations that employ MBAs. Mm. And uh, if you look at the data for those years, um, employers definitely hired less MBAs for sure. Students definitely reported high, um, like um, lower earnings and, and lower job prospects. Mm. But, but the other thing that they often do is um, they often will look at kind of the benchmark years. So like five years out, 10 years out, 15 years out. And so by the time basically they got to the five-year mark, it was fine. Um, and so what the kind of the, you know, the, 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 what you read into that though, is that the long-term value, it is probably still going to be there. What happened was, or what it looked like, what happened was, is that um, in the short term, many students had to, go to option B or option C mm -hmm. before going back to whatever option A was. Or in some cases, what they ended up doing was whatever option B or C was, they just kept going on that, on that path. And there was an interesting um, study that I think Bloomberg, Bloomberg did where they basically looked at a thousand in 2014, they looked at a thousand MBA graduates and mm -hmm. they looked at their LinkedIn profiles and they look to see kind of like the, what had happened, if you will. Hmm. And what they found was, is that um, a good chunk of students ended up about 50, about 50 to 55% of students from the class of 2009 ended up changing jobs within two and a half years, hmm. whether that was a promotion, maybe like a lateral move or going to like another company. And so Basically, what the upshot of that is, or what they thought was their hypothesis is, is that once the economy got better, they were able to make moves. And that mm -hmm. plus 50% number at the time, they felt that was higher than they would have expected. But again, like what they hypothesized around it was that 
things, once things got better, people had the ability to move into something that was maybe more desirable than before. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't, I didn't read the study, but somebody recently told me another stat along those lines that was people who, um, enter the job market out of a school during a recession tend to have uh, lower pay, like you said, but they also tend to be happier. Yes. Yeah. So hopefully that will happen to, to me and my classmates as well. So that, that I've also read this study too. There was an article in HBR from 2018 about it. I'll link it in the show mm. notes, but, um, with that article, the, you're absolutely right. And what the hypothesis was on that was that people who graduated during that time and got a job, even though the pay was lower, they were more grateful for what they had and can appreciate mm. and have gratitude that they had a job given yeah. the challenges that existed versus people who graduated during times of more prosperity were wondering if the grass was greener. And thus, ah. even though they were making more money, were less satisfied with what they had because they felt like, oh, well, I, I got a nine out of a 10. Could I get, could I, could I get, you know, a 10 out of, could I, could I get to the Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, so the, it's, it's, in, it's, it certainly is interesting. And then the last data point that I'll just, I'll just share, this is more anecdotal, so take it for what it's worth. But one of the things that I did was I actually, in some of those articles, they interviewed students who are current MBA students at the time back in 2007, 2008, 2009 who were mm -hmm. talking about some of the things that they were going through or were challenged by. Mm -hmm. And so I went and looked up some of those former students on LinkedIn just to see where they were now. Mm -hmm. They're fine. <laughs> They're like, maybe it wasn't what the path they had envisioned for themselves, but you know, assuming what we see on LinkedIn is a fair, somewhat like directional representation of where they are in their career, their vice presidents, their SVPs, their CEOs of their own companies, um, they ended up in a in a good spot, and I would I would assume that many of them didn't necessarily expect to be where they are now based off of what had happened then, or maybe it wasn't what they thought they were going to be when they went into business school. But that is also sometimes I think the beauty of this is that sometimes shit happens and you respond in a way, and it leads you to something that you couldn't have thought about because that specific experience like didn't happen. So. Yeah. Um, Again, I'm a half glass full kind of guy. So that's <laughs> what I always kind of like lean towards. And I don't pretend that that experience was easy for any of them. But I do think that over the longer term, I still think there are plenty of opportunities that are that are out there for current students or if you're considering an MBA right now, too, for that matter. Yeah. Well, we can't, we can't have the, uh, the five-year mark come soon enough, it looks like. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, <laughs> I mean, as people have said, I feel like the month of March was like one year in and of, it, like in exactly. and of itself. So um, yeah. I guess uh, just to kind of close out, uh, Adam, this has been a great, great chat with you. We've covered a lot of different things. I guess my question to you just to kind of close is, you know, um, what advice do you have for either prospective MBA students or current MBA students just around this idea of being able to use your time in business school to focus on the things that are most important to you. Um, how do you make sure that you really hone in on those, those, those key either priorities or goals that like you have and, and not so, and be able to kind of manage the noise of, of everything else that's going on? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it is really hard to do. Um, Listen to the podcast. Listen to the rest of your podcast. That'll help. <laughs> Thank <you. laughs> Thanks. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, I, I think 
you know, that is really the most difficult thing I think about business school and really about your career in general is everyone's going to give you advice. You're going to get contradicting advice all the time. And so what you've got to figure out how to do is take all that in and keep track of it. But also you have to be able to um, figure out what is going to be right for you and organize those thoughts. So I'll leave you with that is organize your thoughts and try to do so quietly and, and um, do so in a way that you're, you're going to actually internalize all of those things. Great. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this was fantastic. Really appreciate you sharing your story as well as uh, some of your thoughts and, and insights from your experience at Darden. Uh, it's been great having you on here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Al. Appreciate it. Hi, everyone. Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to head over to iTunes and write a review. It will take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how I can improve it. You can find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschool.com to learn more.